0: Women as One promotes talent in medicine by bringing the unique talents of women to the forefront. We believe that, as one, women can use their collective voice to change the landscape of medicine. I'm Dr. Gina Price-Lonberg, and I am the clinical director of the Emory Women's Heart Center in Atlanta, Georgia. We are part of Emory University and Emory Healthcare and we have multiple locations throughout our different hospitals and satellite clinics. Well, it actually goes way back to 1998. And uh, I was part of a private practice uh, group here in Atlanta. In fact, I was in private practice until just six years ago. And I was, at that time, I was early career. I had two children under the age of four. I was in a small group, so there was a lot of call and weekend. At that point, I was still doing heart catheterization and diagnostic echo and nuclear, and I just felt overwhelmed, and I really did some soul-searching. We didn't have a term back then called burnout, but I'm pretty sure that's what it was, and realized that the thing that really brought me joy in my practice was my female patients. And of course, in 1998, we did not have Go Red for Women. We didn't have heart truth campaigns. There was really very little awareness of it. It was coming along and there were a few, you know, brilliant leaders like Nanette Wanger and Noel Berry marriage, but it was really, there was just no women's heart movement going on. And so in 1998 I started the first women's heart center in the state of Georgia. It was a private practice model and really grew. And I loved it and felt passionate about it. We did a lot in the early days with American heart, particularly when go red for women came out in 2004. And then just a few years after that, our large women's hospital that delivers more babies than any hospital in the United States at that time asked me to start a women's heart program with them. And I did that. We did that for a few years. It was very successful. But then St. Joseph's Hospital, which is a wonderful non-academic hospital out in the suburbs of Atlanta, asked me to join them and start a women's heart program for them. It was a nurse practitioner myself and At that point, it was around 2007, the Women's Guidelines through AHA had come out, Go Red for Women was in its early stages, and we really did a lot to educate the physicians in the community. We were still hearing a lot of stories of how uh, heart disease was not being picked up in women, not adequately treated, and clearly that a lot of primary care physicians were just not aware of heart disease in women being the number one killer. In 2013, Emory University and Emory Healthcare took over St. Joseph's Hospital, and I was very fortunate to be asked to um, head up the women's program for them. Uh, We've had outstanding research and leadership at Emory in heart disease and women, but there just wasn't a clinic to the public, and there wasn't any type of risk assessment preventive model. And so with a great team of women, we have a, a research director, um, Dr. Pooja Mehta. Our medical education and founding consultant is Dr. Nanette Winger. and then I head up the clinical side. We have a team of physicians and nurse practitioners at our three main hospitals, as well as two satellite offices that see women five days a week. Um, in regards to all aspects of heart disease, but we have a special focus on uh, early risk assessment, early detection, early assessment. I'd say the main thing is, yes, you have to convince a lot of people that this is needed. And I would say there was really like four uh, most important things that I focused on in this. One is I really sold myself as a champion in this area, even with the private practice hospitals, the private practice group, and certainly with the academic institution. I had to really convince the administrators that that I was their woman, that I had the passion, I had the vision, and that I really wanted to take this and, and just let it be my life's passion. Um, because I think that's part of it is if if you don't have a champion for this, if a woman just gets told, "Hey, we want you to start a woman's heart program," but that's not her passion. Maybe she wants to be doing interventional cardiology or EP. You can't just start a women's heart program because you're a woman and you seem to fit the description. In fact, many many male cardiologists are excellent directors of Women's Heart Program. So it's not just because you're a woman, this is the thing for you to do. You really have to be passionate about it. The other things is you need a community that needs it. So Atlanta, we have a very high African-American population of women. As you know, their outcomes are much worse. There's a great need for just identifying hypertension early, pregnancy complications, diabetes. There has to be a need in your community and there certainly is in the Atlanta area. And it also has to be a need in your institution. So when I worked with the hospital that does a lot of women's health and uh, cancer as well as um, labor and delivery and obstetrics and gynecology, they certainly had a need. If your hospital isn't seeing a lot of women, if there's not a lot of you know high-risk women in the community, or a lot of, say, women of menopausal age who need risk reduction, that might not be the right place to start a women's heart program. And then I think probably the most important thing for administrators is you have to show value. It can't cost a lot of money. You have to be very budget and financial-minded. You at least have to break even, but you clearly want to have value to the institution. One of the things I did in all the institutions I worked with is we put together a business plan with how much money we would need to start the program, promote the program, patient education materials, organizations that we would partner with and show that it was not gonna lose money, that it would definitely add value to the system. So you also have to have, in addition to your passion, you have to have a need in your community, an institution that's willing to work with you and feels that they need it. And a good budget and economic model for your program. I had actually been in private practice for four years on my own. And so I learned a lot about running a business. And I had to put together a business plan to go to the bank and get a loan for my private practice. So I was fortunate to have had firsthand experience with that. You learn a lot about cost-effectiveness of healthcare when you're the one who has to make those decisions about the business model. But I think many institutions can provide that service for you. You need to definitely be working with your financial administrators as well as the marketing administrators. If you have a, like a new project director or a new a project side of the business you want to work with them to really promote it and make sure that you get some resources. Now, it can be done fairly grassroots. In fact, my programs, all three of them have been very grassroots. There are other programs that have gotten multi-million dollar donations for research and education, and that's a different model and a great way to go. But a lot can be done by partnering with organizations such as American Heart, Women Heart, Stroke Foundation, different organizations that are interested in women's health including some non-medical groups that you know work in maternal health. The Wise Woman Project has just gotten a vote in the US Senate to go to all 50 states and there's gonna be funding available through them. So a lot of government agencies, as well as the private sector and even corporate groups. I've done some work with Coca-Cola and Delta and Home Depot here just on awareness days and screening projects that help promote the center. And those things have been very effective as well. So it can be done on a fairly small budget. So usually when you start your program, you are gonna to wanna to put together some flyers, some marketing materials, a website. Uh, those things can be costly. And so usually in the beginning, you're putting these informatives and marketing type things together. It's gonna to cost a little money, but as things grow, you start to develop a volume. So all of the Uh, physicians that are part of the Emory Women's Heart Center, they also see men. They also see other preventive cardiology patients. And then we each have an area of, of interest. So mine is risk assessment, lipids specifically, and then women after menopause. As those practices grow, that certainly brings in revenue to the institution and builds each woman's reputation in that specific area. And all of those areas are important in women's care. So we're not just Seeing women, but the work we do in the clinic is very female-specific focused, and we use the uh, sex-specific evidence-based guidelines to give women the best care. Another part of our system is patient education as well as medical education, so we work with our residents and fellows at Emory University to, one, encourage them to go into cardiology, but also to consider research that's specific to women with heart disease and sex-specific research. And we also have a medical education program every summer to the community that we're going to have our 13th annual uh, women and heart disease conference um, in august and we really bring in a lot of mid-level providers a lot of OBGYNs, family practice internal medicine as well as cardiologists to update them on the most recent research and clinical changes in healthcare for women And then we also partner with the women's health organizations in the city, American Heart Association, Women Heart, and other organizations, smaller organizations, such as uh, Phenomenal Women, who focus specifically on health in African-American women. So by doing all these different things, we're bringing a lot of attention to the institution, a lot of attention to women's health. I think the biggest barrier that has been there since 1998 when I wanted to start a women's heart program and is still unfortunately there very much today in 2019 is the why. I'm constantly being asked by other cardiologists, but sometimes primary care providers, why do we need a women's heart center? Why do we need this? And a lot of physicians will say, I treat women just like I treat my Uh, male patients. And so a lot of it is still coming back to differences in women's presentations for heart disease, how they do on the diagnostic testing, how often they're referred for diagnostic testing, when they're getting proper uh, medical uh, pharmacotherapy, and then long-term outcomes. You know, women are dying of heart disease later in life than men, but the younger women are getting less treatment and dying at a higher rate than the younger men. Women's hearts are not the same and there's clearly a sex specific difference. And because women's presentations can be more subtle, more different, you need a physician who's listening for that. If I'm only listening for chest pain in the sternum, I'm gonna miss a lot of heart disease in women and men. I think that the why is still a big thing and sometimes it's from colleagues. Sometimes it's from administrators, sometimes it's from primary care, particularly when you're focusing on early detection and risk assessment, a lot of primary care doctors say, well, we should be doing that. You shouldn't be doing that. So still just answering the, why do we need a women's heart center? I've been doing this for 25 years and I, and you know, you'd think at some point they'd be like, oh yeah, this is important, but we're still answering why. As far as success, I feel like we've had a a lot of success for individual women I've had so many women over the years who say you know I was seeing another provider and telling them about my jaw pain and telling them about my shortness of breath and they were just telling me I was fine passing me off didn't do stress testing or any cardiac testing and then you know they come to the Women's Heart Center where we're very eager to hear all their symptoms and talk to them about these more subtle things and symptoms that are unique in women, but also risk factors that are unique in women, and then they all come back and you know, frequently say that thing all doctors love to hear. I think you saved my life. I think you added years to my life. I, you've totally improved the quality of my life. Those are the success stories we hear that I think otherwise these women were overlooked and not getting the treatment they so deserve.